just from the response I have from my customers and and giving this type of food, having it accessible to everyone, it, it kind of makes me feel like I need to keep going and it, and it is quite important. Today on Dirty Linen, we are talking about the different pathways that a career in hospitality can take you. Our guest today is Carla Montanaro. She founded Naro Bakes in 2020, perhaps not in the most ideal of circumstances, but certainly an example of making the best of a tricky situation. Carla, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm thrilled to have you on and, you know, I was, I've been thinking about getting you on the show for ages, but I had a vision of one of your beautiful pies, uh, your Naro Bakes pies that I had a little while ago and, yeah, it was just so, um, oh, I don't know, swept away by this deliciousness that I was like, oh, my goodness, Carla, she's got to come on the show. So, yeah, appreciate oh, it. thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you enjoyed it too. <laughs> Yeah, I think what you do is is really, really special and, and yeah, well-crafted. The pie that I'm talking about, perhaps you could explain it because you know the one I'm talking about. Um, the salami one, I'm, I'm assuming. That's the one. So, yeah, so this tart was kind of, I mean, um, it was a bit of an impromptu kind of, um, a bit of a sporadic tart. I kind of just thought of on the spot. Um, but it was pretty much just in the shape of a flower, but um, vegetable spirals and entwined in those vegetables was salami and parmesan and pesto and breadcrumbs and you kind of bake it on a really slow heat and everything kind of just like like forms together in a in a weird but wonderful way and, and then just kind of solidifies and... Um, yeah, I think, I think in the combination with the short crust pastry and like the softness and the richness of the, uh, salami and the vegetables, you get kind of like a really impactful flavor when you bite in it's and, um, hopefully not an overwhelming sense. <laughs> well, I think that what I loved about it was the presentation, like it is so beautiful. It looks like this spiral colorful flower, as you say, but it is also the surprise factor where as you, yeah, the flavors really meld. So you don't necessarily know what you're getting in each bite. So, uh, yeah, I think the, you know, the, that sweet spice of the salami really comes through mm. as a surprise and yeah, the, the cheesiness and oh, it's, I want to actually right now, this is really my inspiration for talking to you, but let's hear your story, Carla. It's been a bit of a journey. So yeah, take us, take us back. Tell us about your, you know, how your career started in food. So, um, I it pretty much began, I think around 2016. I, I never never ever thought in my wildest dreams I'd be a chef. I, after high school, I really wanted to get into science and I got into a science degree and I, I really thought that that would kind of be the trajectory of my life. But I, um, I got a job as a kitchen hand, (laughs) a part-time job and I loved it so much. I just fell in love with the kitchen and I soon realized that like, I, I really needed to, I, I really had a calling to to create and to kind of work in in that atmosphere. So I left my science degree and I um, started my apprenticeship and I got a job and from there it's pretty much been um, just like head down working. (laughs) And um, I guess Nara kind of started in 2020. I had been working quite hard to – 
I guess as a chef, you kind of the you're kind of groomed in a way to um, to work towards you know being head chef or being a sous chef or you know working in that restaurant capacity. I think um, you know obviously when COVID hit, um, all those jobs kind of got not swept away but it was it was swept away on kind of in in my story anyway I'd um I'd gotten this head chef job and then I think the day after um you know we were in lockdown and it was kind of like all hands on deck there was no you know I, I was working at a wine bar and and pretty much just all my shifts got got swept away in the process um and it was kind of more about pivoting and and figuring out a way how to make money and and um, also how to keep busy. I think, um, you know, I, I probably don't, I probably can speak for a lot of people in the industry where it was, it was such a lonely time and, and a lot of people had a lot of time on their hands, but not necessarily like the time that you want because there was nothing to do. So um, I was reading a lot of books and I was reading a lot of books about pastry and I just decided like, why not? I'll start <laughs> making pies and um, as a way to kind of, um, spark a bit of joy in my family's, um, life. I would drop off pies, like just different pies to their doorsteps. And, um, this was obviously before JobKeeper and stuff. And it kind of, um, it kind of kicked off from there when my brother was like, Oh, you know, do you mind if I just give some to my neighbors? Like they're going through a hard time. They would really love some comfort food. And then I kind of started a little Instagram and it, and it kind of, I mean, it very slowly, um, progressed from there it definitely wasn't like a fast um instant thing but it it kind of um it kind of made me realize that you know there are different jobs out there if you if you you know don't want to work in a restaurant or or different pathways you can kind of take yeah, it's such an interesting story there's you have so many things that I want to know more about you know I suppose let's just think about the initial move into kitchens and hospitality you know you were doing this science degree uh but there you were in a kitchen and and realized that that's that was really where your passion lay I mean what was it about it and when you look back on it now you know what would there have been an alternative pathway that would have taken you straight into kitchens or were there family expectations that you'd go more down that university path I mean what, what was what was happening there yeah, definitely. Like I, um, you know, my parents both went to uni, my older brother went to uni and my younger brother also went to uni and, um, they're all quite academic. Um, I was never really very good at school and, um, it was to get me through year 12 was a huge stretch. It was, um, a very like painful process. I'm sure for my parents too, just to get me across that finish line. And I think, um, I'd always, I'd always been a very high energy kid and I'd always, you know, um, just loved, I guess, creating, but there wasn't really any avenue at school where I thought that creation could be put into more of an expression. And I kind of just chose this science degree because I thought it would be interesting, you know, at 18, like I, I didn't really know much about anything and I just thought I'll just put this down and and hopefully like hopefully I'll like it as I'm sure a lot of 18 year olds do and it was only really you know getting this part-time job as a fluke at this um like very small Italian restaurant in Altham where I'm from where everything just kind of 
it's it's just such a it was such a weird experience because it just felt so natural I just felt I loved that I could move around and I loved that I could be physical and I loved that you know it was such a practical hands-on sense of learning and expressing and the chef really kind of took me under my under his wing and kind of showed me how you know like food is such a such a great way of expressing yourself and also just tastes so delicious and I loved I think the science component of um you know pastry especially is quite uh technical and quite chemical and I think it was kind of um the best of both worlds you know having um sort of sort of a more practical sense of a science degree um because you're following those recipes and you're you know you're kind of doing things in exact measurements but you're able to be so hands-on and and so practical and move around and um there's also that sense of camaraderie in a kitchen where I've just felt like there was quite a big sense of belonging for me and a, a sense of connection and you, you mentioned that, you know, you go into that restaurant world and you ask the pathway that's, I suppose, the most obvious one before you is that mm. you keep rising through the kitchen ranks and you eventually move into a head chef role, which indeed you did, you know, pretty early in your career. Um, do you think, like, looking back, you know, then you made that leap through circumstance through COVID, but looking back, mm. you know, how do you think about that pathway now? Do you think, like, how satisfied do you think you would have been if, you know, things just stayed quote-unquote normal and you'd been a head chef? I, you know, I think I was already kind of thinking, oh, this isn't really what what I want. I think, you know, and it is is really hard in the industry because there aren't a whole lot of jobs um, other than working in a restaurant. So I think, um, yeah, that that kind of, I, I guess I thought maybe once you get to the, not the top, but once you get to that stage where you can be the head chef, everything will change. And I think the more I worked and the more I kind of got my way up the ladder, the actually less satisfied I became. And and I and I, for me personally, felt like I was being less creative because it was more, um, you know, learning about and things that I definitely have to have had to learn anyway, but just things like management or, um, you know, different types of paperwork or invoicing. And I just don't think that in that capacity, I was, I was enjoying it at all. And I, and I guess, um, I didn't know, um, if there was any other jobs really that could satisfy that creativity because you're just not, especially going through chef school, it's kind of just like you're an apprentice and then you're a commie and then you're a CDP and then you're a sous chef and then you're a head chef and that's kind of, and then hopefully one day, you know, you can own a restaurant or, or something, but that's kind of all, all there really is. Yeah, it's so tricky, isn't it? I mean, mm. from your perspective now doing something different, could you look back at the restaurant industry and think, that there might be other ways to do it. Like, could you see a pathway for you in restaurants that actually would have been satisfying where you would have been able to still fulfill those creative needs, but also, I suppose, yeah, rise, rise through the ranks, perhaps, you know, move to better paid positions, for example. Mm. I mean, there, there probably definitely was, I think I was, um, I think I was definitely leaning to more, more towards a kind of pastry aspect. Cause I thought, oh, maybe, um, maybe there's a job I can get that's maybe not in a restaurant inside a bakery or, or, or something in that capacity where it's maybe a bit uh, more hands-on but it's different in the sense it's not actually a restaurant. But I think um, 
I think what I'm doing now, it, it is so perfect because it's just, it's, it's a kind of more compact, very intense version of, of kind of, of what I needed and, and what I was kind of searching for, I guess. So what's the setup of Narrow Bakes? So it's pretty much an online or e-bakery, I guess you can kind of call it. Um, and it's pretty much just um, pies, savoury pies and sweet pies and sausage roll and um, a selection of baked goods that is made by me on a um, kind of two-week, uh, a one-week pace and two days each week and it's delivered to people's doors. Um and I guess, um, yeah, it's just I, I definitely thought maybe that there would be a, a bricks and mortar uh, kind of shop, but I think kind of now seeing that the accessibility people need with delivery, it's kind of, it's kind of changed again and it's kind of gone more online and, and less kind of people picking up. Mm. And where are you baking? Um, so I rent a kitchen in Thornbury. Okay. And, you know, you mentioned early on when you started working in kitchens, you loved the camaraderie. You don't really have that so much anymore. I know. Yeah. And I think that's, um, it's definitely something that I miss. It's, it was definitely a shock to go from, um, being in a kitchen environment and, and having chefs around you and, and also just getting people to taste the things that you're making and, and get that like second opinion to now it's very much just me, um, like my mum does help me and she is in a couple of days a week but it's as ter- in terms of having another chef with me, it's definitely something that I that I miss and, I, and hopefully I can hire some people soon because, um, yeah, I'm definitely running out of podcasts to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, we'll we'll keep firing them out. Yeah, I'm up to date with dirty linen. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What do you reckon it is about pies, um, Carla? Because you know it sort of makes me think of other uh, Melbourne lockdown pie businesses like Tarts and On mm. and Munch Bakery, and you know there are others. It, 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 yeah, what's what's all what's going on there? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a couple of things. I think um, the success of these kind of bakeries is the definitely the comfort aspect of it where especially during lockdown, it's like we needed comfort food and we needed it now, you know. And um, I think we also kind of got to appreciate over lockdown just really good food and also um, people took more of an interest in in supporting their local businesses and and uh, supporting small businesses. And I think um, it's just kind of shined a light more on good quality ingredients and and just good quality people doing good quality things. And, um, yeah, as an essence, there's just been so many um, little businesses like mine that have kind of thrived in the – in the span of COVID. Yeah. I, I saw something um, on Twitter yesterday. Someone was posting like, does anyone else have this experience that you can't eat the food that you ate in lockdown? You can't go on yeah. the walks you went on in lockdown. <laughs> you, you know, you can't yeah. wear those bloody tracksuit pants that you wore in yeah, lockdown. banana I mean, bread. Like, can't, oh, don't even. <laughs> let me never see it again. Um, do you, have you found you know, any of that with what you do? Like, you know, people loved it in lockdown, but as we are, as we hopefully have all that behind us, Mm. you know, there's not that same enthusiasm. 
Yeah, for sure. I think um, definitely when we came out of lockdown in October, I think it was also coming into spring and I think people were just like, I want to go out, I want to drink, I want to party and I don't want to I don't want to even have comfort food and I think probably a lot of people like me gained a bit of weight too and they didn't want to eat pies but I was kind of lucky enough to I think you've just got to um, pivot with the times. I think that's something that COVID's just taught anyone is that you've just got to kind of be resilient and I think when that kind of happened, you know, I, I did less of those like really heavy pies and I did more things to do with Christmas like Christmas tarts and those kind of lighter tarts like that salami thing that kind of didn't make fit people feel like they were eating for com- for that in- insane comfort or for, or for that lockdown and kind of changing up the flavours so you can kind of still feel like your business is relevant and um, and as again, just kind of holding on tight and hoping people will still order, which they thankfully did. Mm. And you've got Italian heritage. Does that yeah. you know, play into what you do? It, I, I, I wish it did a lot more. I think my dad probably would wish it did a lot more. I think I definitely, <laughs> when I told him I was doing pies, he was like, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> Where's the lasagna? So, yeah, he's like, what do you mean? Like, why not cannoli? Um, so I... At the moment, it's um, I'm definitely trying to put a lot more Italian flavors into the pies. So at the moment, I've, I'm doing this Italian lamb ragu, which is that just sparks so much joy in me because I get to kind of um, showcase my heritage, and I think that's kind of something that I'm juggling with at the moment is how to is kind of um, seeing what people want and also like equally doing stuff that I love to cook too and the flavours that I like to cook for. I think it's easier in winter to kind of get away with those kind of heavier flavours and those sauces and those real like um, like rich flavours that, that I definitely grew up with um, and my dad definitely cooked. Mm, yeah, beautiful. And I would just, I think one of the things that I loved about what, about your pies, you know, particularly that intricate salami and vegetable uh, spiral, but also I think anything that's made with puff pastry is just this idea that, you know, someone has spent a lot of time and put a lot of thought into crafting something that I am very, very rarely, if ever, going to be bothered to do at home. Can you, can you just give me a bit of a rave on puff pastry? Like, how do you make it? What is the satisfaction of doing that? It's definitely a labour of love, that's for damn sure. Um, and so pretty much I guess the like technical side of puff pastry is the layers of butter and dough that are folded and laminated in with each other and when they're in the oven, the fat in the butter cooks the dough and then the steam from the butter kind of pushes it up and that's where you get those um, those beautiful like puffs and those beautiful layers. Um and I guess the uh, labour side is that it does take a lot of time because you've got to uh, form your dough blocks and kind of shape them into squares and then make your dough and then roll it and then chill it and then roll it. Um, so you definitely learn um, about food wastage and, and food costs when you're doing stuff like that. And um, I've, I've definitely tried to kind of make hybrid versions of that to kind of suit Nara and to suit the pies. I've um, just over the last 18 months, I've thought, you know, um, 
normal puff pastry can be so it's so beautiful but it's also just so finicky and and then kind of experimenting with rough puff and then maybe going back to puff and it's definitely been a bit of a like love-hate relationship for me anyway where I've just been like oh I don't know (laughs) (laughs) that's uh um yeah I mean it's so interesting because uh I suppose as I said you know the fact that you've gone to all that trouble is something that you know, I really appreciate, but I can certainly hear that it's, um, yeah, you're not always going to be in this, you, <laughs> you know, hear flower it in dusted, voice. <laughs> yeah, this flower dusted heaven, like living the dream, like with the, yeah, and just rolling and chilling. It's so funny too, because, you know, family members will be like, oh, can you, can you just give me some of your, your rough puff and I'll make some stuff at home? And it's like, uh, no, it took me so long to make. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Um, but I think also that is my kind of science where you talk about, you know, the steam that's between those layers of pastry. Yeah. That, that lift. I mean, that's really beautiful. It is. And I think that's I think that's why I guess um, I, I've just stuck with pies because I do think, although it's so frustrating, learning about that technical science side is is just so interesting to me. I feel like I'll I'll never ever get sick of that of that of those different reactions. It's almost kind of chemistry in a way where you're you you can just tweak it and tweak it and tweak it and and just come up with a different product every time essentially. Mm, yeah, that that is really special. So, I mean, how do you sort of see the future rolling out, Carla? Do you feel like there is an, a place for you in the restaurant world again? Do you want to go back? Um, do you feel like happily sort of insulated from the ups and downs of that type of hospitality? I think um, I've been thinking about it a lot actually because I definitely like we just said I, I – I definitely miss the camaraderie and um, having your own business is definitely quite stressful um, when you're kind of dealing with things you've never, like I don't have a business degree and I, I don't have any like accounting degree, that's for sure. Um, but I think I, I there's definitely something in my heart that's telling me to keep going with Naro and I think um, just from the response I have from my customers and and giving this type of food, having it accessible to everyone, it, it kind of makes me feel like I need to keep going and it, and it is quite important. Um, so I, I definitely think that, yeah, if if anything, I'll just try to expand NARA into more of an online digital presence and, and make it more accessible for everyone and, um, yeah, just kind of fingers crossed it all goes well. And what would you say to people if you feel like you can give advice, you know, like you were sort of forced to take this big leap. What would you say to people who, you know, perhaps are in a degree, studying for something and they're not sure about or in some kind of um, work environment where they're just wondering what else there might be? I mean, you know, yeah, what what do you reckon? Mm. How do you reckon people should approach those internal conversations? I think um, I I think just go for it. And, it, and it's so funny because I hear interviews where people ask this question and I think, oh, it's easier said than done. But I, I do definitely believe if you have a voice inside your head or in your heart or or wherever it is, uh, a kind of bigger source telling you to do something, I think, like, why not just dabble in it? I think, um, you know, after the few years we've had, we've learned how kind of short life is and, and we also don't know what's around the corner. So if you want to do something, just do it and 
um, do it do it carefully. You know, you don't have to quit your job and, and start a business with, you know, you, you don't have to do that now. You can slowly go into it or, or, you know, do a short course on the side or there are just so many opportunities where you can dive into something else and, and do it at your pace. But I think... Um, I think just go for it. Like, why not really? Like at the end of the day, what, what do you have to lose? Oh, I love that. It's um, yeah, very <laughs> encouraging and spirited. It's so great. Yeah. Um, Carla, I've loved learning more about you and about Naro Bakes. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to share? Um, no, I don't think so. Just thank you so much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it and I, I love the pod. <laughs> Oh, well, we love having you on the pod. Um, next time I'm ordering from Narrow Bakes, I'm, I've definitely got my eye on that lamb, but what's another flavor yeah. that I should look out for? Um, definitely the apple pie. I think that's that's 100% puff pastry and the apples are, are cooked in um, English breakfast tea and spices and brown sugar and I think it's the perfect accompaniment with the with the lamb, although you will be in a food coma after the end of it. Okay, well, as the weather cools, I am ready for food comas again. So I'm all great. I can't wait. Uh, Okay, thanks so much, Carla. So awesome to have you on the show. And yeah, happy baking. Thank you so much, Danny. Thank you. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.